Hello, welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about some follow-up items. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast. On this podcast, we talk about games and also movies and t- tabletop games and video games. There's a lot of categories to this. I guess we're starting a new category, which is follow-up to previous episodes. It just so happened that... A lot of the episodes that we've done recently, right, like the Starfinder previews, um, the stuff with PUBG uh, and, like, streaming, you know what I mean? Like, all that kind of stuff in general, right? Like, how games interact with being streamed and all that stuff has really been in the news. So we decided to do a follow-up episode on those topics uh, rather than kind of, uh, like, like what, like a new, like a new topic, I guess, um... And uh, so I don't know. Where do you want to start? I guess. Um. Well, let's 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 tackle some of this PUBG stuff first. Cause, okay. Uh, I'm on board. Um, let's uh, let's start with the the most the, the the most recent thing, which is something that happened yesterday. Um. And that is um. This kind of ties into the griefing stuff. Um. It ties into like how companies should should uh reveal this stuff, and also some streamer stuff, which we talked about before. But essentially, the story is a um. A popular streamer by the name of Summit, who uh, does a bunch of different streaming stuff, but essentially, he was killed in in PUBG, and he blamed it on a stream. He blamed it on stream sniping. Um, stream sniping being the practice of watching a streamer stream to figure out where they are and using that information to uh, to to gain advantage over them in PUBG. Is particularly advantageous. You could figure out where somebody is hiding or whatnot. But anyway. Uh, long story short, he complains of stream sniping, and this causes him and his sizable audience to report the person, um, and that person then, uh, receives a seven-day ban. Um, only kind of catches is he goes to the Reddit to complain that he doesn't even know who Summit is and didn't realize that he was, he had shot a streamer in the first place, um, and that he feels unjustly banned for seven days for essentially killing someone in a game where the objective is to kill somebody else. Right. Um, and so this, this is of course generated the, the usual controversies. Um, uh, what, what, what's your, what's your impression of this at first blush? Honestly, my, my impression is that blue holes made, made a mistake. They shouldn't be adjudicating this kind of crap. This is what we call third party. You know what I mean? Like it's outside of, it's a system outside of their systems. They are not responsible for it. You know what I mean? It's like <clears throat> okay, so let let you know. Let's imagine. Just I mean, let, like uh, uh, let's imagine I'm a player, or you know what? Let's actually take this as far away from games as possible, just to make the analogy work, right? Let's say I'm on Facebook and I have somebody who keeps sending me Facebook messages that are like, you know, shitty, and and I consider them harassment or whatever, right? And uh, and so like I block the person on Facebook, and then I get. You know, I start getting uh, messages from them on Twitter, right? If I contact Facebook and I say, this person is harassing me, and then Facebook goes, okay, cool, well, what's that harassment look like? And he goes, well, I blocked them on Facebook, so they're harassing me on Twitter. What the fuck is Facebook going to do about that? You know what I mean? It's not their platform. Twitter's their platform. And that's the, like, and, and that's the problem. That's a, and that's, that's the... That, that's the source. It's not something that, that Facebook can worry about or investigate, right? So it is it is not their responsibilities. It is much murkier when it comes to Twitch, right? Because it's it, it, whether or not this is even griefing in the first place kind of is like a really tough question to answer. Ooh, excuse me. is a really tough question to answer. Um, but 
Twitch is not a system that Bluehole can adjudicate, right? It is outside of the game. And if they can prove it, like, I, I really have no idea how on earth they could prove that this was taking place I mean, without... It- with like with, with but beyond the benefit of the doubt you know what i mean well, i mean you, you could you could prove it if you had like you know if you had like this guy was streaming he's like hold on i'm gonna pop over to some stream to see where he is right like like tacit acknowledgement or something but you can't you can't do it outside of yeah like outside- and, and, and maybe that happened in the game right there's a chat message there, there's a chat tool or whatever maybe he's chatting with with friends or something you know what i mean like and yeah. he says law i just fucking sniped this streamer right like okay if that's the case, fine, right? But if we take everything on on its face, right? Uh, I think this is just Blue Hole stepping kind of out of its uh, like out of its bounds. I, I I agree with you. In fact, I I'd, say I'd even take it a step further. I mean, I'm kind of of the opinion that stream sniping in the first place isn't like a thing that should be a, a like like yeah, it's kind of bad form, but that's kind of the risk you take as a streamer. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is a thing that should be bannable in, in any way, shape, or form. If you don't want to be, if you don't want to be spied on, either don't stream or put a delay on your on your stream. It's just something you have to deal with. I don't think it's like damaging to the point where like it's something that anybody should be taking an active position on. Um, I think this will become a lot more problematic as games move to uh, move to integrate deeper with Twitch. Like so, some of the big players at uh, E3 uh, were, were games that had like direct ch- uh, Twitch integration where you could like do things in the Twitch chat to affect the game at hand. At that point something like that becomes more of a concern. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how you uh, how you deal with that though. Like do you, do you have any you have any thoughts on that? I think so it really depends. I don't quite know what that what that what forms those will take. I think that's a cool system, and it's something that is, like, worthwhile. But at that point, I think it's kind of a company-to-company thing. You know what I mean? Where it's like, you know, you just have to have a good set, like, a good coordination between Twitch and between you as the developer in order to figure out, uh, like, like, like what's, what's going on. This kind of thing happens, um, I feel like, between uh, specific games and then, like, systems they're hosted on. If that makes sense, like so, for instance, um, if I'm playing, uh, you know, if I'm playing like Destiny on the PS4, and someone is using the PSN Messenger to harass me, but I report it to the Destiny people, I feel like there there's probably some kind of baseline communication between them, right? Because Destiny is a game, right? Like that's hosted on this platform. They obviously have connections with Sony. They obviously have connections with Microsoft. Um, and they're going to be able to kind of like work with, like these companies are all going to be able to work together in order to, like, to come to a good, you know, like a good solution, I feel like. And I think that at that point, that's, that's what it should look like for, you know, like these kinds of... Um, like for these kinds of incidents of griefing with Twitch, right? You just have to be, you just have to like be working closely with Twitch in order to kind of like prove it. Because there is a, like, I, I actually imagine that there is a version of this stuff that is provable from Twitch's point of view, right? Like, you know, they, I'm a player and I've linked my Twitch account to my Steam account, so, 
we can we now can draw a line between his PUBG account and his Twitch account, and then Twitch says, "Yep, he was watching the stream right at this time, right?" You know what I mean? Like maybe that's a version that they could kind of like go down. Uh, though I am in general like on board with you that that stream sniping is um, I don't know stream sniping is kind of its own uh, its own risk that you take as a streamer. I think it's actually a much bigger problem in League, to be honest. Um, and even then, you know, like, the 30-second, 15-second delays are a pretty big deal. Yeah. Um, and there are various ways to combat that, too. Like, one of the most popular ones is, like, in, in League in particular, is you put your webcam picture over the minimap so people can't see where, like, like all the information on the on the minimap, which is yeah. more informative. Stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but, you know... Um, to be honest, I've actually that never be- really, like... I mean, I, I don't I don't doubt that it is a problem, uh, but I do think that there is something. I I think that there is kind of something to the idea. Um, uh, I, f- I feel like this. Is, are you are you saying that this this problem is more of like a boy who cried wolf problem? Because I could see that too. Yeah, I mean, it is it is a little bit of that, and it's also like. I, the, it's like the return on investment, right? Like, the benefit that you gain out of stream sniping someone and the, the hoops you kind of have to jump through in order to properly execute on it seem really prohibitive to me. Especially in a game like PUBG. Like, yeah. in League of Legends, right, just knowing where, you know, like, if I'm... If I'm ghosting night blues stream and he's a jungler right knowing where he is because i'm ghosting his stream that's a ton of information right and all i need to do and all i need to do is just see his name in the loading screen and i load up his stream and we're 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 basically good to go right um but i feel like for PUBG, it's like you don't know when you're matched with a streamer right like maybe i like maybe you you're paying attention to the kills in the bottom left hand corner and you see a popular streamer name and you go check his stream but then even then like do you have a do you have a good enough understanding of kind of the geography of the map in order to take advantage of that information and even then 15 seconds is a lot of time in PUBG you know so like yeah a streamer is going to be moving from place to place, and so having to project where he's going to be 15 seconds in the future, 30 seconds in the future, that's really hard. And I, you know, all of those things kind of stack up to me to kind of be like, oh my god, this is not as big, yeah. of, a, big of a deal. I, I also think there's there, there's a fair amount of kind of like, you know, people wanting to blame anything but themselves when they fail. You know, yeah. like, oh, it must be them stream snipers. Couldn't Definitely. be the fact that I, yeah. you know leaned off the same corner twice with and, the guy with the car 98 to be uh, honest it, it also kind of uh uh invalidates some of the arguments that we were making last time when we were talking about this because like you know there was a certain amount of like benefit of the doubt to how people like how these things but it, you know like to the to the investigation process right. essentially right um but my fear when it comes to all of this is that uh you know, this guy, and they just did a billion, you know, he, he had all of his viewers report it kind of implicitly, if not explicitly, right? Um, and then this guy ends up getting getting a week-long ban just kind of from the volume of reports more than anything else. Like, that would be awful if that was the case. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, <sighs> um I'll just, you know... One thing I did want to say is, is you know, this is not to like 
excuse people from stream sniping. Like, it's a shitty thing to do anyway, so... Don't, if you if you're going to take this and be like, yeah, stream sniping is great, don't do that. It's kind of a dick move. Um, you know, I, I, I did just want to... I just wa did want to put that out there. Um, yeah, I also do want to... Uh, uh, so... PUBG, and I'm not making this up, Poopy Queen, who is the lead community manager from Blue Hole, oh, yeah. put out a uh, put out a forum post regarding the current ban process. Right in it, she says, um, uh, "For team killing and stream sniping, we require evidence to be submitted, as with all reports against players. We do not ban players based on what we see on social media or streaming platforms ourselves. We ask players to submit reports with evidence on our forums, which is a temporary measure. We take action when the evidence is sufficient to warrant a ban. This, to me, like, not to use an awful term, but this, to me, is super problematic because this really open... They're basically admitting that, like, hey, Photoshop something. You know what I mean? And like you'll get, and you'll get somebody banned for harassment. Um, yeah, so like that's rough, dude. That's like rough the, to me. The, the big thing here, the team killing thing, it was never a question of what happened, right? It was yeah. a question of whether or not griefing a griefer was an acceptable thing, and mm -hmm. that's that's its own argument, right? Like no one was disputing the facts there. Um, people, the, the 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 facts in this case are what's being disputed. And I don't know how you can, I don't know how, what type of evidence could have been produced. That would have con convinced convinced them. Like, I understand that they're in a tough place. They probably wanted to. Like, this is a non-statement essentially, right? Like, this is not a. This is not like a. I don't know. This, this isn't. This isn't anything. This is like the the most vanilla statement you could make in terms of this, right? Like, it's like yeah. Uh, this really reads to me as. Uh... Well, it's pretty par for the course, to be honest. I do like that, that, you know, she goes on later to say the current rules and ban processes are not final. Our community team is doing the best to ban players that do not play fair or ruin the experience of others. However, we do not have a perfect system, right? Uh, and then they put an appeals process into place in order to kind of, like, put some checks on it. I, I like that bit. I think that that's, that's meaty and important. I would actually like to know more about the appeals process because it, it, it's kind of just a one-line thing. You know what I mean? Um, and it really seems to me that, like, if it's the process, you ban first, and then if it appeals, you wipe the rest of the ban and kind of say sorry? Because that, to me, also feels like a bad system. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. That's that, that's what it seems to be. And, like, I don't know. Like, this, this stream streaming thing bothers me just kind of on, on a fundamental, like, the charges is, is basically unprovable in the first place, mm. outside of, like, egregious, uh, you know... It, Admittance, right? Yeah, like, I'm yeah. admitting right? to like, it. Like, it, I, can, I can see in, in a similar stunt to what happened with Dr. Disrespect with the team killing, him being, like, like tongue-in-cheek, like, st stream sniping someone um, as, like, as, like, a joke, because that's, like, the type of thing he would do, and him getting a bit and him laughing about it, and, you know, that, you know, yeah. th th that seems like a thing that his character would do. But the, the, this kind of like, it's kind of like you know, oh, like you kill you killed someone who was on stream. Well, like that that's the game, right? Like yeah, definitely. Um, I also think you know, like I really do kind of wonder a bit if it wouldn't just be more acceptable for them to just kind of say, you know what, this is this is a brutal tough luck game. Everything is on the table. 
don't play if you want to. You know what I mean? Be like, yeah. kind of, not tacitly endorse it. Not like endorsing these things, but just kind of saying like, hey, man, listen, a lot of this stuff is not going to get hit because we require evidence and that is hard to come by. You know what I mean? Like, I think it would probably be better for them to say there's a lot of guilty people who are going to go free due to lack of evidence than there are going to be innocent people locked up because... Yeah, um, I think I agree with that. And and I you know and I I get the I get the impetus not to to do that uh, for kind of like obvious reasons, but I feel like they're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place here. It actually reads to me a lot, uh, to be honest, that they haven't put a lot of time or effort into these systems on the back end. So there is a chance, and I do want to mention this, like there is a chance that as part of the early access stuff, you know what I mean? Like they, you know, like they they start logging, uh, you know chat or voice chat or something like that you know what i mean to try and like make it easier um like make the process for kind of all of this easier uh, there's a couple of different uh there's a couple of different ways that they could go about this to kind of like put back end systems that will give them more uh solid evidence in order to 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 go on um but you know as it stands this seems pretty weak yeah um that being said, I don't think there's much else that we can say about this. Mm. Like, um, I think in kind of like a grander scheme of things, like I've I've noticed that Player Unknown is starting to get a a, a, a not so great reputation. Um, oh really? Wait, wait, wait. What do you mean? Like, as, as kind of like a guy who interfaces with the community, mm -hmm. like, um, this will segue actually into our next story. Um, like. Like, so, somebody posted a picture of his Twitter of the things he has liked, which include, like... Oh, uh, I, I'm literally looking at that, that image yeah, right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, and, like, this will segue into the, the next bit of PUBG news, which is uh, um, PUBG announced that there's going to be a, a, a tournament, and to, to help fund this tournament, there's going to be crates, um, loot crates, um, and they're going to be essentially driving their, their, their crate system in the controversy here. Um, is that uh, Player Known had previously promised that there would be no paid uh, microtransactions in the early access stage. And this, coupled with the fact that the full release has been pushed back a short bit, um, has some people worried about, or it, it has, has annoyed people, I think is, is the best way to put it. Right, that he has essentially gone back on his word. Um, and, you know, well, again, what... Uh, and, so just just to point out one of these things to, to tie it back to this, maybe he's not the uh, maybe he's not the greatest front man for this is uh, uh, somebody somebody posted something uh, about like uh, oh, okay maybe he did, he did. there was somebody who posted something about like people being mad about cosmetics or mentally ill and it was just kind of like what uh, and but this it appears he that one doesn't appear on this picture I'm looking at that might have been something else, um. Uh, but there, there similarly he has there, there's some incendiary tweets that are like, oh, don't get mad about cosmetics. Um, what's what's your reaction to this at first blush? Uh, I think he is. So I I feel for him in a lot of ways because I think he's kind of been catapulted to a level of popularity and scrutiny. Um, he, he's kind of like. He's kind of like, I don't know, who's a, who's a, uh, oh, you know who's actually a good, uh, 
so Max Landis, right? One of the th- so Max Landis is a popular screenwriter, right? Um, he kind of struck it big with uh, by writing the movie Chronicle, and then he's gone on to be basically like the biggest like it screenwriter in Hollywood, like at the current moment, right? Um, he's the son of John Landis, like a you know a director from kind of the eighties and nineties or whatever. And one of the things that he's always said is that he never wants to get a publicist, right? And he always wants to be active with kind of like his fans and his followers on like Twitter and stuff. But this constantly, but like as he has become more and more kind of popular, right? And his movie, you know, he's put out a bunch of movies, right? His next one is going to be Bright, which is like the Will Smith. Uh, kind of like Shadowrun Shadow Run, cop yeah. movie in L.A., which, by the way, looks great. Um, uh, from the director of Academy Award-winning Suicide Squad. Um, <laughs> and uh, um, and so, like, as he's gotten more and more popular, as he's gotten more and more followers, right, he still is, like, a little bit unfiltered, right? Like, the one of the biggest controversies he's ever kind of... St- like started is by calling Ray in the force awakens a Mary Sue, which is something that I think Mango and I have both echoed to like various degrees, right? Yes. When you kind of sit and understand what he's getting at. He has, he has a YouTube channel with like a bunch of people. He makes like videos. Like if you've ever seen wrestling isn't wrestling. And I think PUBG or I'm sorry, player unknown is in a very similar spot. Right? He's a guy, you know, like, he's a guy, he's, like, a man of the community, right? He's making these mods, right? Um, and now he's put out his he's put out his game. The game is incredibly popular, getting all of these players and everything like that. But he doesn't have, you know, he just doesn't have a filter. He doesn't have, like, a publicist or anything like that. And so he's making, you know, like, he's making these remarks and people are just taking them in the worst way possible because, you know, taking, thing in, taking things in bad faith is kind of standard issue for celebrities, um, and, uh, and so I think that, the, like, the core of his problem comes down to communicating poorly. Now, on the other hand, right, you, we have exactly what we just talked about with this forum ban, which is communicating poorly by going too far in the other directions and being super vanilla, right? In, in, in an effort not to give any of the haters anything to hate on, you don't tell, you don't make any statement at all. You just give them a, like, like nothing essentially um and uh and i think that it's tough to seek a balance between those two things right yeah actually um um, uh if you want to see this done well not that i want to get into like the the politics what happened here but earlier today jack conti the ceo of patreon produced a video explaining why um a couple different patreon accounts got shut down oh yeah it was it i think it's really well done um uh, it's, it's, it's honest, it's open, um, you know, I, I don't think it's perfect, but it's, uh, it, it's a level of transparency that I'm, that I'm very happy to see out of, out of a person, I gained a lot of respect from him, from the video, I'll, I'll link it in the description, um, um, me, yeah, I guess I'll link it in the description, just, you know, where, I don't want to talk about the content of that video, because it's very politically charged, um, there are a couple different groups that got banned or were aligned, and there's stuff I'm sorry, there. was it, was it, like, gaming stuff, or? It no, it wasn't gaming stuff, okay. it, was, it was political stuff, but kind of the example of somebody stepping forward to address the community and their concerns is the thing that I respected. Gotcha, right? gotcha. Um, and, you know, I, I just wanted to put that forward as, as a way to talk, keep, keeping, talking with the community, um, Jeff Kaplan, I think, is also a great example of that. All of the I think Jeff updates. Kaplan is pretty, pretty solid. Uh, I also think Ben Brode, by the way, is also very good at this. I mean, in fact, to be honest with you, I think Blizzard has gotten very, very good at this in recent years. Um, basically, with all of their games, kind of since maybe uh, like 2014, which was Reaper of Souls. Like maybe that was 2015. 
um, uh, which was kind of like the Reaper of Souls switch in Diablo, um, where they kind of had uh, game directors. And to be honest, I mean, so, okay, I actually want to back up even further because I think this is an interesting phenomenon and let's talk about it a little bit. Sure. This is something that I've actually been seeing for a long time and it has all started from one person. And that person is Ghost Crawler from WoW. And basically, Ghost Crawler would get, just like get on and he would talk. And it, like, the, uh, the thing that I think Ghost Crawler did really well, and believe me, he got his fair share of haters too, right? But is he didn't he didn't mask what he was talking about, and he was really colloquial and casual with people, right? Which I think, like, from a tone perspective, is the right thing to go for, right? He wanted to talk about the things that were going on, why they were going on, but he wasn't trying to hide that in kind of, like, um, super guarded pub like public relations speech, right? He just kind of got on the forums and said, hey... You know, this is why our PvP systems are, are our PvP systems. Um, the rest of Blizzard didn't even take a, take that to, to heart, really. It was really just kind of Ghostcrawler and a couple of his leads. And I'm talking kind of back in, like, the 2010-ish days. Um, and for, you know, for the rest of Ghostcrawler's kind of, like, tenure on World of Warcraft, right? But the, the developer that took that... In, in my, from my perspective, and ran with it was Riot, right? Because Riot, um, first of all, they coached every, you know, like, part of their job training is about talking with players, right? There's no, like, for instance, in a lot of big of these big corporations, right, there is a lot of, like, hey, listen, if you're going to say something to the press, if you're going to say something to the player base, if you're going to say something to, you know, whoever, right, don't. Run it by public relations and, you know, like, or whatever, kind of, like, first to make sure that, like, everything is, like, super squeaky clean and airtight or whatever. But Ryan did the opposite. They just trained everyone with kind of, like, a crash course in public relations-y things that we want you to talk about and then encourage them to get on the forums and talk about their stuff. You know what I mean? Um, and then I think that has then, like, kind of echoed back into... Blizzard, ironically, after like Ghost Ghostcrawler leaves, right to go work at work at Riot. Um, but the kind of like I, I think that like cross pollinate like cross pollination pollinization uh, really like worked out and has been spreading. Um, I'd also like to point out, like I think a big factor in this is kind of the growth of kind of your personal internet and the personalization of things on the internet. The ability to kind of like reach out to any corporation on Twitter and be like, hey. Hey, Wendy's, your fries suck today. And have yeah. Wendy's be like, well, we're sorry. DM us and we'll take care of it or whatever, right? Like, yeah. Um, and, you know, not that, that that's not also corporate speak, but I think kind of like the combination of um, of developers getting better at it and people expecting more out of it has really contributed to this, which, is, I, th which I think is great, right? I'd much rather have player unknown tweeting, um, you know, tweeting poorly than being silent right mm -hmm. like uh, obviously i'd rather have him tweeting badly than or tweeting well than tweeting poorly um but you know i'd, I'd, I'd rather have some communication and some some thoughts into the into the minds of of what's going on um yeah. so what are your opinions on these crates um so in a vacuum i don't care so much right like mm. uh I'm a little bit disappointed that they said they also said they'd, they'd be eventually getting rid of all free kit crates. Um, I kind of like the model of you you occasionally get a free crate but can buy more if you want, a la Overwatch or, I guess, League of Legends at this point. Um, 
On the other hand, uh, the, the thing that bo- the thing that bothers me the most is is essentially um, him going back on his word. Um, what was I'm sorry? What was he, he? He had previously said that there would be no microtransactions prior to the to the game coming out of early access. Um, and you know, maybe it's not like supposed to be it was supposed to be as meant as like a hard promise, but um, and you know, may, maybe this is a counter to to you know, like I'd rather him tweet poorly, but it would have been fine if he had just never said anything about that as came up. But the fact that he said it and changed it. Um, annoys people and, and kind of, I, I, I can, I can see that. Um, I, 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 uh, what's, what's the way that, uh, like, not that this is like super dramatic or anything, but, but, but the way my biology teacher used to put it was, um, trust is like, uh, like a, like a porcelain doll, right? Like once you break it once, you can put it back together with glue and tape, but it's never going to be the same as it was originally. Um, and wow, so, wait, hold on a second. Like, I really don't like. I don't agree with that philosophy at all. But whatever. Well, you, you you don't like you don't you don't think that breaking someone's trust irreparably damages that trust? No, I think that you can. I think that people make mistakes and you can be forgiving. Oh no, no. I like, think. Like, the, 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 I like, mean, you, like you know, well, you could forgive someone, but it's still never going to be as the trust is never going to be as whole as it was in the first place. I don't think that's true, and I actually think that. Uh, so, <laughs> this is a little philosophical, unless like games related, right? Um, but I think people do this with their families constantly. You know what I mean? Like some, you know, how many times? How many times did your brother, right, like break your trust in some dumb way as a kid, and you let that stuff go? Like, you know. I mean, I, I, I don't trust my. The point there being that, like, I, I know my brother's faults, and I know where and when I, like, you know, he's there. There's not trust to be had. Right, like I do trust my brother in general, but it's not a perfect trust. But, okay, 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 but like, so you've never been like, like, like pranked by someone, and then just like been like, oh, okay, that's you know, like fine afterwards, right? Like somebody explicitly breaks your trust in some way or what or another by setting up whatever this prank probably is, and then it goes off, and that, that's a violation of trust, right? But there's also a moment where you where you forgive them and say. Uh, you know, it's like, it's, it's no big deal. Yeah, well, like, I I know that I can't trust them not to prank me, right? Like, like, I know that that's a thing that they're willing to do. And I know that that's a thing to take into account. Okay. I think you and I just look at this differently. (laughs) I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know, this is, this is kind of like, you know, I, I, I will say that I think it is harder to apply that kind of metric when it comes to people that you don't know, right? Well, I don't know player unknown. I don't I don't know so, developers, so, so, right? To, like to, to bring this back to, to this particular topic, right? Like now moving forward, when player <coughs> unknown says anything about like like the state of transaction in this game, I know that like that's not a hard promise, right? Like I can't rely on that, right? Like. Whatever he says about like the state of microtransactions in this game might change in the future, right? Like he, he's not but like twenty. Okay, let's say. Okay, let's say. Statements. Okay, so he so he broke this promise, right? Right. Twenty years from now, he has a he has a track record of keeping every other promise since this one. He's still tarnished by this one broken promise from the early access version of the game. I mean, he's more tarnished than somebody who hasn't broken any promises. Okay, I guess. <laughs> 
right? Like I, in a weird, you know, I, I actually you have, do kind you have of. Jeff I Kaplan kind of, and you have and you have player unknown in twenty years, and the, neither of them breaks promise from here on forward. I trust Jeff Kaplan more. So, uh, I, I like I understand like I in a way I kind of understand like the math that I feel like you're using if that makes sense in the sure. sense of like in the sense of like it's almost like okay so player unknown you know let's say player unknown has five promises now he's broken one he has a twenty percent rate of breaking a promise or whatever even if that increases to a thousand right and he's still only at one broken promise he's at ninety nine point nine percent yeah trustfulness whereas Jeff Kaplan with with would be at 100%. Yes. Right. Um, but, but I guess my my uh I guess my point of view on that kind of fundamental is that like the discernible difference between a 99.9% and a 1000% is negligible. So You know what I mean? Like they are both they are both they are similarly trustworthy developers as far like as far as I'm see, concerned. See, so, so there, there is a difference to me, but it's like the difference between a 998 and a 999, I think is negligible. But I think someone who's actually a full hundred gets gets like a special star in my mind, right? Like that that takes that that, that takes the the effort to make sure that he's 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 true to true to his word is is a uh, that that gets special recognition in my mind. See, well, I don't think uh, I think uh, but that there that's is a lot only of... like perfect record, right? Like. So I think that there this is, is the, the a lot of hard. Thing. Yeah, right, right, right. But I don't think that there is. I think there is a lot of hard work that goes into every promise that get gets kept, and somebody who keeps nine hundred ninety nine of them is still, you know, like is still basically trustworthy. And there isn't. Uh, I don't know. Like I like I, I I guess I understand like getting the the a special bonus level of trust from that level of perfection. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, in a I'm weird not, way, not, I just kind of think that oh, that's almost like a like, like an I, unreasonable I, standard to hold someone to. I, I don't mean to say that like I think player unknowns like a lying piece of shit or whatever. Sure, right? sure, like, sure. Like I just you know don't view him as, as inherently as as you know perfect as, as. And you know, I will say, as I also, the angel of mercy, Jeff Kaplan. <laughs> apparently, yeah, right. Like I also think that there are uh, good reasons to kind of break your promises, and you can recoup your losses in that sense um by talking about it in the right way if that makes sense right like um so for instance um you know i believe that there is a version of this that happened in regards to world of warcraft where wow uh basically like where where you know everything was going free to play and getting these like shops or whatever and wow said something along the lines of like we're not going to do that sort of thing and then like a year and a half later they come out with these um uh you know like the mounts or whatever that you can buy you know right, right, um, right. The, the, they have and, a dlc store too yeah yeah <clears throat> and and essentially you know ghost crawler i feel like it might not have been ghost crawler to be honest if somebody g- kind of came out it was just kind of like listen it was just a dumb promise to keep right what what am i gonna do keep people from getting this you know like like keep people from getting this mount because we can't fit it into you know like we can't hire the artist to fit it into our pipeline you know what i mean like if this is essentially if this is a viable revenue stream and we're not taking advantage of it because we made a promise before we really understood the benefits of it right we that is more detrimental to the player base than it is to 
you know, go back on it and say, actually, there are some good uses for this shop system. You know what I mean? And I think that that kind of a, you know, like, I think that kind of way to do it is... Uh, sure. But I, I also think that, that it also varies person to person, right? There are things that are going to matter more to, to other people, right? Like, I can imagine a theoretical person who never wants any microtransactions in this game, right? Like, that that's why he plays WoW. He pays $15 and he knows that he will never miss out on a single piece of content. Um, because he doesn't, he hasn't put the money in, and I can see that person being betrayed by the fact that there is, there's a, you know, a, a DLC shop where he can't get some of the mounts because he can't pony up another five dollars to, to buy it or, or, or whatever. Um, and I, I don't think that's an invalid position to take. Um, I actually kind of do because I think it's a little too like draconian almost, but whatever. I mean, like. I think so 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 the issue at hand here is, is that like if that's the way I want to play and the developer has promised to me that's the way that the the game will play and I invest myself into that game and I invest money into that game right like I do feel like that's 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 a breach if that's something that's important to you right like if like there are games out there that you can go and play with no microtransaction in them where the developer you know has effectively you know especially older games mm-hmm. development's finished there's never going to be any DLC for them, and I, you know, this theoretical player prefers that because they will never have to worry about any of this this stuff, and that's that's the thing they prefer to play. And when the developer makes that promise and they invest in that game, they feel like they can rely on that. I think that that's a, a valid kind of position to stick to if that's important to you as as a player. Um, and it, it, I think it's all right to feel betrayed if somebody goes back on that on you. I'm, I'm not doubting the feeling of betrayal so much as I am saying that I, I don't quite think that that's a valid position to that's a valid position to hold in, in that same, I mean, in I, that I th- same way. I think it's it's valid insofar as like you like you know it's not like this this, this, this theoretical player is um, is is in is, uh, is is insisting that other other players you know like other games don't follow these models. He's just asking to only participate in games that do um and when you when a developer makes a statement that you want to be able to rely on um so that you don't have to you you don't have to essentially make that uh have that problem like uh this this happens sometimes to mmos right especially every mmo that hasn't been wow since Mm -hmm. wow came out where um uh people who have invested time in a game that they love have it changed out under their feet um, even feature-wise, right? Like, the, the one yeah. that's popping into my mind right now is Star Wars Galaxies. Right. Um, um, and and to feel like, you know, I, I don't think it's too much to ask that if, if you go into something with a promise that the game will be in one way and then it radically changes under you to, the, the, to, to be upset about that, and I, I don't think that that's an invalid position to take. Um, when you're not, like, insisting that, that, uh, that, that other things conform to this, just that you want to be able to rely on information that people have said so you can make your own decisions going forward on that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, in, in a way, this kind of falls into the kind of, it's it, This falls into the same category as people who complain about, and this is going to be a little bit of an exact, but who cares, uh, is uh, people who complain about pay-to-win in, like, payday or something. Like, when that whole thing came about, right, um, I think it's just an incredibly invalid that whole that whole perspective is just fundamentally flawed and wrong because they don't understand how small the stat boosts on the weapon skins are and how little they really affect the gameplay um, in, in, in 
like, and so it's really just making kind of like a mountain. It's it's making a mountain out of a molehill. This is not a problem. You're you're making a problem where there kind of is none. And in a way, I think that this is a, like it's in a it's in a similar vein to that, right? Like, yeah. It's not like, like I begrudge. I, I, like, it's not like I begrudge somebody who who never plays payday again because of this or whatever, right? Um, they can spend their money how they please. They can spend their time how they please or whatever. But I think as a foundation for that kind of decision, it's just. It's just it's just poor and or or I, it's un, unreasonable in a way is kind of is a better way for me to kind of like frame that I think it's almost kind of an unreasonable uh, uh, it's almost kind of like an unreasonable expectation. Um, I mean, that, as, as of the past, I'm going to disagree with you on this one. Um, and in this case, particularly because, um, uh, because payday whatever company made payday. Um, promised that they would never do it, right? Like they they put out a hard promise that, that was going to be a thing that they that they were never going to do. Um, and yes, it's it's ultimately minuscule, but from like up the perspective of somebody who relied on that information, I don't I don't think that it's invalid to say like I put my trust in your word and you went back on it. I see. Um, I, the thing is, is that I think the invalidation here comes in the aftermath to it, right? Like. I think that there are okay reasons to break a promise sometimes, and that's a and that's something to kind of keep in mind, right? Like actually, so I do. I, I I hold a lot of stock in somebody keeping to their word, right? And I and I agree with you one hundred percent that like that is a valuable thing to do. But I think that there are nothing is constant, you know what I mean? And like circumstances change, change, and so when the circumstances of Overkill's design philosophy and development structure kind of, you know, like the, the, the benefit of, holy shit, we, this game is, our game is very popular and all of our business projections say that we could hire on tons of new people, produce a ton of new content for everyone, right? We only need to, the only thing we need to do is introduce this, uh, like is introduce a weapon skin system like CSGO does in order to get to that level of development. Like the negative of we're going to, we're going back on our word just doesn't outweigh the positive of everybody gets a ton of new content, um, there's going to be more content for free, right? Like that, like all of that stuff to me is, 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 uh, is enough to kind of outweigh the breaking. Oh, sure. Uh, so, so, so I think my, my, my point here is more that like, I get that, but I also don't think somebody is wrong for being mad at, at somebody for, for, for going yeah, back I see what on you're saying. To me, the wrongness isn't so much the being mad at it, but it is the, it is the, the up to it, right? Because I think in a way there's almost like a cost-benefit analysis that goes into this or whatever, and it's always going to be a negative to break your trust with someone. Um, but I feel like there are a lot of people who don't take in consideration, into considerations the positives that come out of it from the other end, right? And I think if anybody, I mean... I also think Amir from Overkill did a very good job at communicating why they were breaking this promise. I mean, he literally sat down and was just kind of like, look, listen, we were hiring way more people onto the company and we're going to get a ton of new content out there for everyone. This is good for everyone. Don't participate in the system if you don't want to, right? Um, but this is this is a net positive for all of us, right? And 
that's you know like and that's the reason that we're going back on you know that we're going back on our word kind of thing and that there's not enough consideration for that kind of follow-up as as there is for the kind of immediate negativity of you broke a promise now i do want to say by the way you breaking a promise with no follow-up is arguably way not even arguably it's just it's just worse right like a no man's sky kind of comes on um, like on one hand, I am very sympathetic to No Man's Sky talking about games when they're in development, um, and what features you know you're working on or not working on uh, is a is a minefield that they clearly just like rolled and yeah, bumbled their the, way through. They, they Peter Molly knew that like that that game to to shit. Like, right, you know what I mean. And I don't. And I and I. But like, I just don't think that they were like. Even, even despite my sympathy for that, and you know, it's hard being a small, you know, a small scale developer getting all of this attention. It's the same kind of thing with Player Unknown and PUBG, right? right? Like this Max Landis kind of principle. Um, but like the the <laughs> like my sympathy for that doesn't outweigh the shittiness of it. Yeah, I understand why you know he like whatever the guys from Hello Games made the decisions that they made, but they were still awful and shitty, and they still yeah. lied to the player base. And I'm much more on board with people who are saying, you know, this isn't the game. You know, the, this isn't the game that I was promised. Um, than I am with, you know, I don't know, somebody who does that about World of Warcraft or somebody who does that about Payday 2, where I think uh, the developers kind of like did their due diligence and communicated the intent behind the decisions well. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely, I, I, I can agree with that. Okay, um. so speaking about communications uh, with players, bases, Paizo has been communicating hey. with us a lot. I know, right? What a good segue, dude. Uh, Paizo has been communicating with us a lot about the upcoming uh, Starfinder stuff. So they have finished out the class. Um, uh, they have finished out the class previews. Uh, so we got Technomancer and we got Solarian. Um, and uh, they've also kind of talked about some some other uh, Starfinder related stuff. Uh, what did anything? Have you have you been keeping a lot of attention to like? To these to these details, um, I've been reading the class the the class details as they come out. I was particularly okay. interested in Solarian, um, because because of the fucking um the Tau, mm-hmm. uh, the Tau. We could do a whole episode on the Tau. I think I uh, kind <laughs> of almost think we have to. Uh, what <laughs> to a certain extent, like it's become such a meme that I want to explain that for someone. Uh, <laughs> the the abbreviated version. Of the meme, just just for the context of this conversation, um, is uh, our friend Mark, uh, who's been on the show uh, several times before, um, uh, enjoys third-party content, and one of the third-party classes he tried to sell us on at one point was the Tau, which was a monk-slash-caster-slash-underwater-basket... That's part of the joke, so... Like it was a class with a thousand features, which included mm-hmm. a a feature by it was a spellcaster with two spell lists, and depending on which spell list you cast out of, you changed your chi, and your chi went up and down in um, by points. And if you went too far in one direction, you could fall off of it, and it would change your alignment, and you would lose access to your powers for a while. It was very complicated, and I think over over designed. As a good way to put it, um, and uh, and 
it's funny because when they announced Solarian last year at Gen Con, it sounded very much like the Tau. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, I was interested because, one, I've got a lot more faith in Paizo than I do in the third-party company um, that made that. Um, I think it was Little Red Goblin, and I do like Little Red Goblin, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to shit on them. But um, they've always been good at, like, doing weird things that, like, skate by on their ability to be cool rather than necessarily on uh, on pure balance things. Like, I think they also made the the class that is, like, a punk rocker that can double jump, um, which, you know, like, fucks with, 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 uh, with Captain Crunches a lot, but is a cool thing to think about. Um, but, uh, you know, just to bring it back, I think that, I have more faith in Pizer to do it a lot more reasonably, and I'm um, actually pretty happy with what I'm seeing in the Solarian in the class preview. Um, mm-hmm. Did you have anything you wanted to contribute to the explanation of the Tau meme? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, the meme is essentially just that Mark really likes this class, and so uh, he talks about it all the time, and we all make fun of how complicated the class is by, like, adding in... Underwater basket weaving, for instance, is the is the kind of, like, useless, complicated class feature that you would see that, that, that the Tau is reminiscent of, right? Like, somebody put their time into writing out a class feature for one of the underwater gla- basket weaving rules or whatever. Yeah, a lot yeah. of the time, we'll talk about things like equinoxes or whatever. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, like, you get a plus 20 to strength on the vernal equinox or what, you know, like, just, like, random weird stuff that never come up that are just like hyper uh hyper yeah. specific i think the tau i do have to say i think the tau is a functional class but it is one of the have i ever told you about my like philosophy of like complex or like elegant design and like complex and complicated systems and stuff like that i've uh, talked about this before in the cast i must have right i, I think i think so if oh you, you know what okay i talked about it on europa universalis right the Tau is a little bit of, like, the Europa Universalis class, but, like, awful because it demands that everyone else know the mechanics, right? The reason I love Europa Universalis is because the systems are really, like, deep and interesting, but they are not... They are complicated, and it's because there are hundreds of them, and they are just... There are so many of these different systems to that game that, uh, like, playing it can be really rewarding, right? But, like... It's just, it's not elegant. It's not straightforward, right? Like, a a game that I would think, um, you know, a game that has elegant systems is something like PUBG, right? Where there's a lot of depth, um, but how the game works is actually pretty straightforward, right? Like, it's not like the systems are, you know, like, overly, overly kind of complex. Um, They're actually pretty, pretty baseline... uh, uh, you know, un, like un, and and easily understandable, and the Tau is like the opposite of that, right? It's just it's it's so complex, and just being a GM and trying to keep track of it is one of those things where I know that if anybody ever accepted the Tau into their game, uh, they they would just quickly be uh, be unable to keep up with what's going on and just let the player do whatever they want, essentially. Yeah, yeah, I I, I definitely feel that. Um. I feel like sometimes even the player would uh would would, would, would not be like you know not not to shit too much on the Tau when we should be talking about the Starfighter stuff, but like there, there there's always a little bit of jank with, with third party stuff. Mm-hmm. Um like like that document that the Tau's in could have used a second editing pass. Um like there's just some like things in there where they used like 
where they clearly copied the language for like sorcerer or monk out of the book and forgot to change sorcerer or monk to to tau um and that kind of stuff just just doesn't help with things um um but yeah the salarian on the other hand looks like um a much better execution on the same premise also kind of very much a not jedi class mm -hmm. um uh, which is cool. Um, I also think it's cool that the dark side, low tide, low, uh, dark side and light side, which are called the photon and graviton, are much better at being not um, not Jedi or not, also like not good and not evil. Not oh. even like you know law chaos issues, right? Like it, 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 they're very much just kind of things, right? Like they they are things that exist outside of morality. And graviton isn't necessarily evil, and photon isn't necessarily good, even though they might have that kind of like. A little bit of that flavor because one's bright and one's dark. It doesn't uh -huh. feel like it doesn't feel like you know being a graviton specialist means that you're like a, a Sith, right? So, right. Uh, which I think is good. I also am a fan of this attunement um, mechanic, which is essentially you can attune if you want to. Um, and each turn, you you gain attunement. Um, you can gain a level of attunement towards uh, uh, whichever side you want to. And then when you hit the third. A level of attunement you kind of unlock uh like a special power essentially um and then uh the the class seems to operate on that kind of tempo right you go you go attune 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 burst go back to normal and then attune back and so it's like a, like these three round um this three round kind of cadence which i think is actually pretty cool um and will lead to some interesting situations in in the fight i don't think we've we have a lot of characters that kind of uh, operate on this kind of like 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 uh, rhythmic uh, sense, if that makes sense. Right, right, right. I definitely feel that. Yeah, I definitely. Uh, uh, what I like a lot about the Tau, or I'm sorry, fucking Christ, the Solarian, <laughs> um, is that it feels kind of like um, it like. This is more an impression, I guess, that it gives me than anything else. Is it feels a lot like kind of a like a Magus or a Cavalier, uh, not so much in terms of like lore or anything like that, or even just kind of like like specific mechanics. Um, even though there is some like kind of overlap, but just that it is a very well realized fantasy and a very interesting way in order to make what is primarily kind of a combat, like a like a uh, like a like a combatant that's not a fighter, right? Like the genericness of the fighter is kind of, to me, um, offset, you know, like when, when you have a Cavalier or when you have a Magus, right? These are classes that make the way that you fight very, um, uh, like very class-based and systems heavy, whereas fighters are a little like standoffish towards that kind of an interaction. And I think that's very good. Do you know what I mean? Um, so you kind of have the soldier on one end who is a little more kind of like generalist and hands off. And then you have the Solarian on the other who is much more uh, uh, interesting and kind of like higher, uh, I don't know, like higher caliber. Um, like like the, the, you, you feel like you're interfacing more with the mechanics. Uh, of the class, yeah, kind of, kind of like a swashbuckler almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Swashbuckler is a fantastic example of what I'm trying to describe. Um, so yeah, yeah. Um, you and then they had. Oh, I'm sorry. What's up? I would say you think you'll you'll play a Solarian. I would definitely. I'm definitely on board to play a Solarian. I don't think I'm gonna play a Solarian for the. For, well, so it really also kind of depends on what our Starfinder games end up looking like. Stay hashtag stay tuned because hashtag we're planning 
the creation of our games. Uh, <laughs> um, because like the, I've I've been talking a lot about wanting to play a primary spellcaster in my ne in my next game, whatever game that is, um, and um, and this obviously isn't isn't that. Uh, but I don't know. Like this is very much like up my alley, typically. Uh, so yeah, yeah actually, I, would, I would absolutely play a Solarian. I think we could do a little bit of talk on more general stuff um, after we do the Technomancer because there's some interesting decision st stuff in here that I that I want to talk about, especially with in terms of, like your uh, uh, full spellcaster, um, because one of the fuller spellcasters that was just uh, released today. Spoilers for anybody trying to keep track of what time what, when we're recording. Um, is they released the info on the uh, on the Technomancer, um, which is not on the page I'm looking at right now, but is linked somewhere else, so I'm going to look that up. Um, how do you feel about the Technomancer, buddy? I'm kind of on board uh, with the Technomancer. They have this whole thing in here where they talk about the Technomancer's um, spells, which I am simultaneously like... These spells sound very cool, but I'm also a little, like, almost worried about them. Um, because I feel like we might end up in kind of an artificer, like, 3.5 artificer scenario. Where, like, the the Technomancer kind of just feels a little flaccid because most of what it does is manipulate items. Um, that said, that, you know... That, that, like, they talk about this a lot, right? Where the, the first sentence is, Technomancer spells are more likely to focus on modifying, emulating, or interacting with technological devices. Um, and then it says, evoking or manipulating core energy types or manipulating raw uh, magical forces. But that first bit is what I'm almost worried about, yeah. I guess. Especially because we already have the mechanic, right? It feels like we're already, already in this space a little bit. Um, so, so, yeah. Uh, I will say, however... That the thing that they preview later, which are which is called a hack, um, uh, which is just kind of the thing, like you know, it's the class feature thing that they get at what is it every couple of levels, you know, second level and every three levels thereafter, is called fabricate arms, which is as a full round action you can expend an unused spell slot to temporarily construct a technological weapon or suit of armor out of raw magic. This kind of thing is actually really cool and appealing. I actually really like the idea of using an unused spell slot in order to do. Uh, in order to, like, use a cool, interesting ability, right? <coughs> Excuse yeah. me. And then, Absolutely. you know, the, the power and the, uh, like, how strong that spell slot is uh, reflects on the spell slot that you used. Yeah, I'm actually kind of curious what these spells do, because, like, some of them sound just like, oh, we took a spell that you know and gave it a fucking techno name, right? Like, Caustic Conversion, Logic Bomb, and Microbot Assault not surprise me if that's like fireball well what would that be like uh force push and like color spray um <laughs> different names yeah i was a little worried about that too i mean i like the I, names, I don't know i don't know if i'm worried about that it's just kind of like part of me expects that that like this will be a lot closer to a wizard than you think well i you know actually to be honest when i first read those i actually had a kind of different read like caustic conversion to me says you take something and turn it into acid Right, which is part of why I was a little like how items dependent that it is. Then logic bomb also sounds like that. It's like you cast a spell on a computer or whatever to like, like, you know what I mean? It's kind of like the thing where yeah. it's like, oh well, you know, chicken nuggets and laser beams to like short circuit a robot kind of a thing. And I'm like, 
Or do these just interact with items? That that was that was my fear when I initially read those those ones. Uh, yeah. See, I I see that, but I definitely think that it's, it's gonna be like a stupid name for like a, a basic a basic evocation. I absolutely think that there are going to be versions of those one hundred percent. Um. Uh, but yeah, um, I am kind of so something I, I guess to to broaden this out a little bit. Um, is it looks like there are only six levels of spells in the core rulebook. Um, and it looks like, as a result, they're giving uh, both this and the uh, Divine Caster, I can't remember its name, um, uh, they're giving them more kind of external features, um, cla um, which I'm actually a huge fan of, right? Like, I like the, the the fact that you get a lot more to do with your character than justice because the full the full nine-level spellcasters have to be dominated so much by their spell slots in terms of their power budget. Um, that like, um, I think that like, say the, uh, the Magus, um, is a much better, is a much more fun class to play than say a standard wizard. Hell, yeah. Even the Arcanist was getting good at kind of teasing with that, even though it was the full nine level spellcaster. Um, how do you feel about the lack of like these last three levels of spells? And do you think that they will eventually fill them back in? Uh, I think there is a lot of possibility for them to add spellcasters in the future. And in fact, I actually think that that's kind of one of the reasons that they have gone with kind of such specific spellcasters, um, in the core rulebook and they have fewer classes is to give them like room. They give themselves room, um, uh, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> to make stuff happen. Right. Um, if this makes sense, like, uh, I, th like the way that I think about it, I guess, is, uh, we have, uh, stuff like druids, you know, like how do druids or any of that kind of magic, you know, like there's no, there's just no hint of that stuff, right? Like, and I think that that's a really cool thing to get at for Starfinder, right? Like xenobiology, right? And being a druid, but for like crazy fucking like aliens and shit like that, right? Like, I think that this is the kind of thing that they have uh, like purposely left open for the future so that they can come back with more spellcasters. Um, that said, I actually think that it's better to go six levels instead of nine overall. I think that once you get into kind of seven, eight, nine levels of spellcasting, um, yeah, seven, eight, nine is when you get into like the weird game breaky type of stuff. And, and I actually think that I'm hoping that it is six levels baseline forever and always. Um, mostly from the perspective of it allows them to do a baseline rebalance of all spells and spe you know what I mean? So like, this is a version of things where I feel like you could easily, um, like scrunch up, um, like you could easily scrunch up the, the, the spell lists a bit so that like slots are not so wired, wildly disparate in power level, I guess. Right. Um, so for instance, I could see like, you know... Uh, uh, I could see you, you, you take a couple of these first level spells, right. That are just incredibly weak. Right. Um, and now you bump down a few second level spells in that zone, right. To, to kind of like make up for that a little bit. Right. And even, you know, and kind of like even things up on, on a power level so that even when I'm level whatever, and I have six level spells, my first level spells aren't that far behind me. Um, same thing with like second level, you know what I mean? Like a version of things where I get fireball as a second level spell in a six level line, right. That keeps the same cadence, right. You get third and nine. And so it's still one third of the way there. Um, but it just, you know what I mean? Like I, I think, I think it opens up a lot of room, um, to, to, uh, not invalidate your own spell lists, 
by creating such a huge power disparity between um, rank one yeah. uh, and rank, rank six spells. I agree. Um, I also hope that they um, do a little bit of, uh, of scaling on things, um, kind of in the way that the 5e has done, to kind of make things never, uh, like, uh, 5e, beyond having, like, like, like no spell I don't th- think ever kind of, uh, loses, um, use of this, and you can cast, like, level 1 spells out of higher level slots to get increased effects. Mm-hmm. Um, Actually, they, they did that, uh, they previewed that kind of a system with the Psychic, and I really hope that they keep on it, uh, because I like that yeah, system that's a lot. Right. You yeah, know, I you kind of have, that. like, Mind Rack 1 through Mind Rack 9, or right, kind of right, whatever right. it is. Um, I actually kind of wish, to be honest, that, like, if, like, Pathfinder 2.0 ever does come out, uh, what I do hope that they do is add that, but basically for most spells, you know what I mean? So, kind yeah. of, you can progress them up as necessary. I agree. Um, I, you don't have to, like, I, I think the way that 5e does it is, is actually super excellent. Um, okay, fair enough. Yeah, um... Uh, did you want to talk about this, uh, list of, ins- did you want to talk about anything else with the, with the, uh, no, um, no, no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Or the features at large. Um, did you want to talk about this list of inspirational media that they posted? Because I think it's interesting. Um, uh, I, uh, sure. What do you want to, what, what's interesting about it? To be uh, honest with you, I, like, I, I think it's cool or whatever, um, but there's just kind of so many of them that, like. So, so the big thing that's interesting to me is that D and D five is not on here on the list of original <laughs> tabletop RPGs. Um, I just think that's funny because there's a lot of things that seem very clearly inspired by a lot of the optimizations that they made. Um, I guess that like maybe maybe like I, I assume that there's is some it some kind of like war with Wizards of the Coast. I, I assume that like Wizards isn't happy that like Paizo went and took three five and made and is. Doing better in the D or in the RPG space than than D than the you know than the D and D is right. Um, uh, that that was the that was the biggest one for me. Um, but I, I think it's cool to like to just see like you know like Star Trek, Star Wars, Star Stellaris. Yeah, in a uh, weird way, they kind of have everything on here so i kind of almost am a little like well like i i guess i agree with you from a systems perspective that D 5e probably belongs on here but i think that in a lot of ways this is more about um the uh this is more about fluff than mechanics i guess sure i mean the the vast majority of the list is non-games right um so yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I, there, there's a lot of stuff that I'm actually very glad to see on here, like Isaac Asimov's Foundation series, which is my favorite series. Uh, uh, like, Foundation is just, like, my favorite book in general. Um, like, that stuff is is cool to see on here, like, and I like that they kind of left no stone unturned um, in that in that sense. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I, I, just, I just thought it was a neat thing to look at. I'll link. That's true. Actually, now that I look at it a little bit, I'm, I'm, I'm being a little bit mean, I think. Because uh, I almost kind of wonder. There are some things on here that I just, I guess, wouldn't expect to be on here. Um, and that I really wonder where this is going to kind of, like, come through. Like, I think we all understand, well, our, well Star Wars, right? Like, makes a lot of sense. Uh or whatever, or like Firefly, right? Like, yeah, of course, fucking Firefly is going to be on here. But I'm actually a little bit interested to see that they have, um, uh, like, Borderlands. Like, what of what of this system is going to be influenced by Borderlands? I wonder. 
you know? Lovely or like, guns. what if this system is going to be influenced by the Mad Max series, which is also on here? Um, the flame guitars. So. Yeah, yeah, flamethrower guitars. Um, huh, and actually, the other, another one that seems to be missing that I don't see is um, Ian M. Banks, who I have not personally read, but I've heard great things about. Um, uh, you know, all this stuff. Wait, hold on one second. Is there also not any Philip K. Dick on here? I think... Oh, that's the beauty. Yeah, there isn't, dude. That's insane! What? Uh, oh my god, dude, Blade Runner is on here, but Philip K. Dick is in not, yeah. <laughs> That's crazy to me. Um, Oof, District 9 is on here. That's that's lovely. I love oof. District 9. Have you have you been watching... It's just kind of getting outside of this. Have you watched any of... Uh, any of Oat Studio stuff or, or Neil Blomkamp's like online project? Oh, I've heard about it. No, Neil Blomkamp is one of these guys. Neil Blomkamp was once one of my boys, as I talk about uh, as I talk about them, and he is no longer because his movies Chappie and Elysium were pretty bad. Uh, I, I haven't watched it, but I'm interested to watch these Oat Studio shorts. Yeah, I mean that's true. I'm definitely uh, I'm definitely holy shit, dude! Shadowrun. Oh no, Shadowrun is on here. I'm sorry, I misread. I was about to say, fucking Shadowrun isn't on here? Oh, yeah, yeah, what? Right? Like, that would have been nuts. Oh, I also like that they have Gamma World on here. Do you know Gamma World? Have you ever played Gamma World? I have not. Oh, my God. Gamma World has one of the most interesting systems. It is actually a Wizards game. Uh, one of the things that makes Gamma World very cool is um, Gamma World, you have you get, like, powers or whatever. It's kind of like a card system. Like, you're supposed to, like, buy these decks of cards to, like, play with or whatever. Um, and they're all, like, mutations. It's a little bit like Fallout in that sense. Um, but one of the things, uh, that you do, by the way, holy shit, Fallout isn't on here. Um, one of the things that you do is as you use powers, you spend them almost and you get new ones from like the deck. Um, and it's because like your body or whatever, it's like constantly like in upheaval or whatever. And like, as you expend, uh, like these mutations or whatever, right? Like the mutations then like immediately like die off kind of thing. Uh, which I think is awesome and cool, because you end up getting like you. It, it's it's like it's like a thing. It's almost like almost like maybe something like spore or whatever. Where like you're constantly like changing and mutating and becoming this different, uh, you know, like this different creature. And oh, now you have a third arm. Up, oh, your arm just fell off because you used it three times or kind of whatever. Uh, there also seems to be a... Oh, no, never mind. There's Cowboy Bebop. I was going to say, there seems to be a surprising lack of an anime. Like, a, I'm super surprised that Ghost in the Shell isn't on this list. Oh, shit. Ghost in the Shell isn't on this list? Um, not that I can find. Unless unless it's under itself as the manga, and I... Shame to say I can't remember the name of the author of something in Japanese, so... What, yeah. a, what, a, what a shame. The best anime of all time. Samurai 7 is not on this list, Lego. What am I doing? Have you ever seen it? Samurai 7? I have not. Oh, okay, um, I've obviously we've obviously talked about it before. Yeah. It was uh, Samurai it was one of the Seven. Ones that I wanted to watch in the run up to Magnificent Seven, but I just ran out of time. It is my favorite. It is my favorite uh, anime of all time for no reason whatsoever. Definitely not. Um, but uh, it is actually <laughs> yeah, sure. crazy. I mean, like you know, like I think I've talked about it a little bit before, but like the part of the part of like the foundation of the series is that like regular samurai in like they're kind of like samurai robes with katanas are essentially fighting gundams and shit because it's like the far future or whatever and i can definitely see someone be like no guys for real we have to put samurai 7 on this list it's amazing um 
But yeah, <laughs> it's actually it, it only seems like the only one that I can see on here at a glance is is Cowboy Bebop. No, there's others. There's the big O is on here, uh, and Nausicaa uh, of the Valley of the Wind. Oh right, yeah, Nausicaa, is also yeah. on here, um, which is which is which is cool. You know what I mean? Which is uh, yeah, which is neat. Uh, I will say that I'm actually a little bit more on board with it, just from the perspective of they have the big O on here. They also have uh, uh, fucking um, Pacific Rim on here, and I'm wondering, it's like holy shit, are we gonna get like? Big ass fucking robots because yes please. I feel like you, you kind of have to have. I feel like it has to come at some point. They're just it's got to be in here. It's got to be in here somewhere. Uh, that said, there aren't a lot of like whatever the mech, uh, whatever like that big mech game doesn't seem to be on here in the video game space. And they also don't have Gundam on here. They don't so. have Gundam anywhere, which is that's weird. Like um, I feel like you got any of this, you got to have Gundam somewhere. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I mean it might just be a version of things where it's like they're like may, I don't know. Maybe they're not going to do or, that yet. Who or, knows? Or Evangelion. Yeah, or, holy shit! Yeah, dude, there's no Evangelion either. Oh, man, now my kaiju kind of mecha uh, fantasies might not play out. Uh, well, we'll see. I like that they list them fucking selves. Pathfinder RPG, Iron Gods, yeah, Adventure. Yeah, I, I did see that. I was kind of. Uh, <laughs> Well done. Well played, I guess. Good job, Paizo. <laughs> yeah. You nailed it, Paizo. You nailed it. Yay. Also, some of the comics on here are kind of uh, are kind of interesting. Like, for instance, they don't have any Green Lantern stuff on here, <clears throat> which I really would have expected. Um, you know, that they would have had uh, uh, just something Green Lantern, Green Lantern related. Um, yeah. Like, they have, they have Guardians of the Galaxy, they have Planet Hulk, um, but they don't have... They don't have my boy, my, actually, my Green Lantern, or even like Adam Strange or anything like that. Uh, I'm actually kind of I am glad to see Justin Kodak on this list, um, just because it's it's uh, I don't know. I, wow, this is actually fucked up. They don't have anything DC on this on this comics list. They have three for Marvel, which is not a lot, but they have Starjammers, uh, you know, Starjammers, Planet Hulk, and then Guardians of the Galaxy. But like. Come on. Is Dread, Dread Image? Uh, Dread's another comic, but I don't know which one it is. I don't actually know that much about, like, like Dread. Um, so, I couldn't, I couldn't quite say. It's actually very interesting to me that literature seems to be the longest list of all of these. Um, like, I get, like, I get it, obviously, but, uh, there's just, there's, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of books on here. Apparently, apparently, uh, Dread is made by somebody called, published by somebody called Rebellion. I don't know that publisher, but fair enough. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, Dresden Kodak is, I like seeing Dresden Kodak because it's a webcomic. Um, I'm glad to see a little bit of recognition of that space. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, um. That went on for a long time. Do you have anything else you want to say about these? Nah, no, nah, I'm, 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 I'm good. I'm on board. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It's all cool. You can all check this out at the Paizo Starfinder website. Uh, so, buddy, uh, how was your week? <sighs> what did I do this week? I've been playing a million games. Oh, shit. Have I talked about Stardew Valley? No. I've been playing Stardew Valley, dude. 
Which is funny because I used to relentlessly make fun of people that played Harvest Moon, and that's so clearly what it's going after. But I have to say, after playing like Darkest Dungeon, um, and after playing, uh, um, uh, God, what's the uh, what's that other game I've been playing uh, a lot of? Um, well, okay, whatever. After playing like Darkest Warhammer, Total War Warhammer. Oh. After playing Total War Warhammer. After playing Darkest Dungeon. Um, the uh, uh, the wholesomeness of playing Stardew Valley is incredibly like welcome and kind of awesome. Like in a weird way, I think Stardew Valley is a bad story because there are no stakes really. Um, in Harvest Moon, you at least had some stakes because you needed to like make enough money to buy back the family farm or whatever from like the mortgage people or whatever and like if you couldn't make your mortgage payments you lose kind of thing stardew valley doesn't have any of that there's a little bit of like kind of vague conflict and mystery around kind of like magical spirits in the uh um magical spirits in like the area and this like overbearing corporation called the joja corporation and it's it's very or anti-corporation in general like it's very much like uh like a like get you know like yeah. After after working in like a shitty nine to five job for years or whatever, you go back to basics and inherit your grandfather's farm, and now you're just a simple farmer on the land, kind of thing. Um, and it's very flavored in Japanese culture a lot. I have to say in this uh, in this way, even though it is made by I think an American. Um, <clears throat> and uh, but but it is just tremendously addicting and really interesting, and uh, and the systems uh, are a lot of fun. I'm having I'm having a good amount of fun with uh, with Stardew Valley, and I appreciate just kind of how chill and laid back it is compared to some of these other games like Darkest Dungeon or like Warhammer, where the stakes are fucking through the roof all the time. It feels like yeah. I actually just lost my Warhammer game. Oh, I'm really pissed about it. I've been playing Bretonia, um, and I like Total War Warhammer a lot. You're gonna get Warhammer too, right? Oh uh, yeah. And, do you think you're gonna? Go, yeah, do you think you're gonna go back and do any like the DLC or anything like that with the I don't first know. one? I'm not sure. Um, <clears throat> what I will so one of the things so the thing that I appreciate most about Total War Warhammer is that because it's a fantasy world, they really get to stretch their wings in terms of mechanics for how these things play in a historical setting. Well, there's only so much you can do without being kind of. Uh, like reductive or stereotypical kind of about the history. And I've always think that, and I think creative assembly has always done a very good job of sticking to kind of the history and being as much of a simulation while also being a game as possible. You know what I mean? Like, um, but that's also kind of meant that everybody plays basically the same in, in any of their games. Um, and, because, like, medieval warfare and, like, ancient warfare and, like, Senkoku Jidai warfare uh, just wasn't, just, like, wasn't that varied. But the ability to make huge variations between, okay, these are the vampire counts, these are how these they fight, these are, this is the empire, this is how they fight, this is the, you know, uh, these are the dwarves, this is how they fight kind of thing, um, is really cool and interesting, right? Like, you really just have to reinvent your whole tactics for the game, both on the campaign map and on, uh, you know, like, the, the macro level kind of strategy level and on the micro level, like, playing through the battles level in order to be, like, good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah. 
I'm playing Bretonia because Bretonia and in the future Norska are going to be the last two factions that they release for Total War One before the release of Total War Two. Um, unfortunately, Bretonia is all about shock cavalry and heavy cavalry. Do you know about shock cavalry? In like the other thing is Total War is a pretty complicated system, and so like I I wouldn't uh, yeah I, I wouldn't I have... begrudge you. Uh, I'm, I'm not super close to it. Okay, so th there is regular cavalry who are... You charge them in to, to a fight, right? But they have good melee attack and melee defense, which are just the kind of baseline statistics for damage dealing and how long they can exist in, in any given matchup, right? So, you know, these are the guys that just kind of sit and fight, right? Uh, and they're going to be very good at sitting and fighting. They're also on cavalry, so you can disengage them as necessary. That's the big advantage to having cavalry, because, like, if I'm if I'm infantry units, and I'm fighting other infantry units, and I tell those infantry units to pull away, it is very hard for them to do so, because the other guys are just as fast as you, and they'll just chase you down and kill you, kind of thing. But, a cav but cavalry units can just back out and run away to disengage pretty simply, right? Shock cavalry, though, um tend to have very bad melee attack and melee defense statistics and a very high charge bonus what a charge bonus does so like melee attack and melee defense statistics are typically around 30 right for just kind of like normal baseline units um uh shock cavalry will typically have that but like at like you know, like 25, you know what I mean? Like less than usual kind of thing. But they have a charge bonus of like 70, right? And what a charge bonus is, is, is it says when you charge into a unit, right, for the first about 30 seconds of that combat, you, you add 70 to your melee attack and melee defense, right? So for the first 30 seconds, these guys are fucking insane and they do a billion fucking damage. Um... So, uh, that you, you charge them in, but if you leave them in there, they suck and then they get right. killed kind of thing. So, which means you need to micromanage them and you need to use a tactic called cycle charging, right? Which is the hammer and anvil strategy. If you've ever heard like me or Nick, who's our other total war fan, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, talk about it, right? What the hammer and anvil does is you have an anvil, which is a unit with really, really high melee defense and typically armor. You engage them in melee with another unit so that they can't disengage. And then you you throw shock cavalry into their butts and then pull them back. And then you throw them into their butts and then you pull them back and you just keep doing that over and over until they break. Um, uh, and so Bretonia, which has on the tabletop always been focused on heavy cavalry uh, versus kind of light cavalry who are more mobile, kind of hit and runny, right? What elves do, do light cavalry very well? Uh they require this cycle charging hammer and anvil kind of technique in a lot of their games and i am awful fucking garbage at executing on this strategy i'm so bad at it dude and so uh i got into a situation where i was up against chaos you know like kind of the end game for total a lot of these total war games uh will come down to like chaos spawns and can you stop chaos before they just like wreck your shit and the answer for my game was no because chaos chosen which are the best infantry units in the game just i know there's no such thing as an anvil when you are up against those guys they just shred through whatever and you maybe get like one charge in and then all of your fucking infantry breaks and you're like well i guess i lose this battle like it's it's bad it's hard it's hard so i restarted i'm doing better this time uh but uh but yeah i don't know those so those are the games that i've been playing what have you been up to um reading 
because um, I'm never going to finish reading all these books. Uh, we have a week, right? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we definitely need at least a week of extra time. It's not going to be... Sorry, folks. Review's probably not going to be the first week the movie's out. Um, I have finished... Um, I'm, I'm halfway through the fourth book in the series, and that wouldn't be so bad if there weren't, like, four other books in the middle that I needed to read. Um, um, but they're, they're good. Like, I'm not... I don't... I don't regret reading these books. I just regret not giving myself enough time to actually read all of them. Um, uh, I really liked book three of of uh, of this of of uh, the Dark Tower, which was the Wastelands. Um, uh, one thing I will say about uh, uh, Stephen King is that I don't know how to put this, but he's got this way of writing where like. Like, things that are big and important are kind of said without a lot of fanfare, so they don't have, like, as much, like... Like, I have to read it twice to kind of, like, believe it, right? Like, also, also, he's got a way of writing where, like, I can't tell if the things he are writing are supposed to be, like, figures of speech or literal. Like, there's a bear in one of these, uh, in book three, that's 70 feet tall. And initially, I couldn't tell if it was actually 70 feet tall, or if it was, like, one of the characters looking and be like, being like, oh, that's... This giant bit, you know, like the 70 foot tall bear, even though it's actually like, you know, like 10 feet tall or something like that. Um, uh, the other part of it is that like, this is part of why I can't tell is like, he's like, and the bear was 70 feet tall. And that's like the extent of like the fanfare about the fact that there's this massive fucking bear there. And it comes out a little bit like when you keep reading it, it comes out that yes, this bear is actually 70 feet tall, but like, it's kind of very plainly on the page there. Um, Maybe plainly is the wrong word, but it, it, it it's 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 a weird thing to read. Um, um, again, not that I don't like it. It's just it just things don't like hit as hard. Like there's some things that hit really hard, um, but the uh, the immediacy of some of the things of some of the things on first blush don't. It's a very weird experience to be reading, right? Like the things that are important do hit hit right. Like that that the encounter with the bear is all things told not all that important. But I figured it would have a little bit more fanfare with it than it did, if that makes sense. Um, but, you know, otherwise, uh, playing some PUBG. I got a chicken dinner the other day. Very well happy done. about that. That's a pa it, was, it wasn't technically a pacifist chicken dinner, right? Well, I had zero kills. Um, okay. A friend of the cast, Monik, had three kills. But it was it was a it was a beautiful, beautifully, beautifully uh a coward tech run we got uh, the circle closed around fucking um uh, what's the what's the city in the upper left hand corner zarki uh oh yeah 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 like and that never happens right like like right 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 uh, it was it was like he closed all so we took a boat and we hung out on the coast and we hung out like like the circle was over the water enough that like we just hung out behind the behind a rock on the coast for like 10 minutes and then we snuck up the side of the hill, and there were two guys that didn't see us, and we, and we murdered them. And then we're kind of hiding behind this thing, and it's like, well, there's a guy over there, and the circle's going to close real quick. And Mike looks at me, he's like, dude, there's three people left. That's the last guy. And so I just, like, ran across the field to draw the other guy out, and uh, Monik murdered him. Whoopity-woo, chicken dinner. Uh, you know, like, it was, it was, I don't know. I, lo I love when I love when that like level of cowardice pays off, or like all all the waiting. There's nothing worse than like playing a well well played coward game only to like 
come out of your hidey hole and be immediately shot. Um, so having it pay off is, is always is always great. Um, yeah. Fair enough. Um, I uh, have also played a little bit of PUBG. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to hear what your... Uh, like, have, how have your tactics changed since we've been talking about PUBG over the past couple of weeks? Right, like, what have you like? Like, what have you learned? What are some of the some of the like mango? I'm I've played this game for eighty hours now. Uh, oh, it's it's. Where are my hours at? Hold on, let me let me check because it's it's. I think I broke a hundred recently. Um, yeah, I'm at one hundred and six. Um, so there's there's a couple things. Um, um, well, the first one is is kind of a negative. It's that like as I'm more comfortable with the game, I want to take more engagements because shooting's fun. Um. And so, like, sometimes they'll just go super hot just for, for fun, and those usually end quickly. Um, uh, and, you know, not in my favor, obviously, if they're ending quickly. Um, but uh, things things they're picking up on is, you know, um, the value of, of sticking to the coast and boat play just because, like, it's essentially one side of you that you don't have to worry too much about, which I really like. Um there's a lot of kind of things like 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 little optimizations like if you if you fight someone uh, regardless of how that turns out um and you're like on like like the like one of the later circles right like you should be avo avoid as many engagements as possible let people third party each other and then when it's late if you do fight someone regardless of how that turns out you have to move because you've just sent up a giant signal flares where you are and so you need to be somewhere else so that um, if someone comes looking for you, you're not there. Um, uh, other things like, you know, just 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 little things like, uh, um, don't don't fire out of this. Like, if you fire at someone, in the, like if you exchange fire with someone and you're still in that same fight, don't pop out on the same side of the tree because they're probably waiting for you or or something like that. Um, uh, uh, the importance of communication and kind of being able to specify things. Um, Something I'm still bad at that I need to get better at is, like, waiting for my teammates to kind of catch up with me um, and, like, moving together as a unit. Um, I'm getting better at it, but it's not it's not perfect. Um, uh, what I'm, uh, just kind of, like, the speed at which you have to go through things. Like, every time I play with a new player, um, you know, just kind of, like, getting them to the level of, like, we don't actually have to farm that much. Like, it's much better to kind of, uh, like... Uh, a big one is like it's better to be in like kind of like a forested open area. I feel like most of the time, especially if you're near the edge of the circle, than inside of a house. Than inside of a house, because um, the biggest the, the the worst things about houses are the um, are the fact that you, you've you've got two choke points that you're going to come out of, and that makes you very vulnerable if you're forced to move. Um, so I personally prefer like rocks and trees near the edges of circles. So if you're in the middle of the circle, it can work, but it's that's still its own kind of like set of dangers because if it's you versus um, if it's you versus one other uh, one, one other team, um, there's no one to third party anyone. Um, you still force engagements out like the windows, right? Like you, you can't engage someone safely. Um, like you always have to put yourself, you know, a little bit out in the open. And so uh, I don't know. I fully I fully anticipate. Uh, uh, refining this more and, and learning learning more things and uh, figuring out the reliable way to... That is very interesting, because I would say that houses are, are great because cover. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, you get to you get to have all of this kind of cover. So you think the value of the cover you get it from a house is not worth the lack of escape routes? Um, if you're if it's towards the middle of the circle, I think it's fine. But like, um, or if you you've got like a, a house with like an, a roof on it that you can kind of jump off of in a direction, I think that's also better. Okay. But like a lot of a lot of these low low level houses, right? Like a one story house with two doors is kind of like can quickly become a death trap. Um, especially because you can like it is it is no obstacle for another player running around like a one level house to shoot you through a window as much as they sh- as you shoot them through a window. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd much rather be using frankly using the house as cover on the outside. Um, yeah, I was actually about to say cuz it, it sounds like the best of both worlds here is to just kind of hang out in a in a town or like a city zone. Almost, because you get all of the cover of being in, you know, like, in a house from all of these walls of the houses or whatever, with all of the escape routes of, you know, not being choked by doors, yeah. essentially. My, my personal favorite areas are, like, uh, the sides of, hill, like, forested hills, where, like, you've got a bunch of cover from, like, the wall that is, like, the slope of the land and, like, and, and trees to cover your, your other sides and rocks and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, I think the thing about staying at the edge of the circle is kind of interesting, too, because... Moving feels very dangerous to me uh, in PUBG because if somebody can, I mean, this is something that's like, <laughs> this is something I think about uh, a lot in the context of Warhammer 2. Um, getting caught out while you're moving is awful. You know what I mean? And yeah. not being prepared for that is really, really bad, it feels like. Um, and so a situation where that happens. Um, uh, I don't know. It's interesting. It's uh, it's interesting. It's complex, I guess. Um, how do you, and you still are, are? Do you still feel good about beginning and ending of uh, of the drop kind of thing that we talked yeah. about before? Um, it, it it shifted a bit. Um, my reasoning, and it's. Um, I agree with you that like you know it also gives you less less uh, less heat, but it also um, puts you all that always puts you like towards the coast, which is again something I really like. Um, kind of being able to, to put, like, a side, one side of the map to your back and not having to worry too much about it. Um, some Something I think that, like, a big area of improvement is I find a lot of, like, late-game uh, things that I start to lose that is, like, there's these weird lose-lose situations where, like, um, I'll be at the edge of a circle and the next one will spawn and it'll be far away, so I kind of have to move relatively quickly. But there'll be other people around that want to engage and so it's either I stay there and engage and maybe win or lose that fight, but then I get fucked by the circle, or I run and get shot down, and then those people get fucked by the circle. So it's kind of like, I think that, like, everybody kind of loses in that situation. Um, I think, like, if one person runs and somebody gets shot out in the open, then they have time, then the other team has time to move. But, like, like two, two teams caught at the edge of a circle, like, at the edge of the circle on, like, the wrong side of where the contraction is, um, is, like, it's just a death trap. Right, like either the two team the two teams spend too much time fighting with each other or waiting for the other team to move, and then they'll just get murdered by the circle. Right. Um, so the last thing I want to ask is, uh, do you ever? Fi- this is something that came up a little bit the other day when we were talking about like what is close or far from the flight path. Um, do you ever find that it's a good idea <laughs> to kind of go to like a high demand place, right? Um, but when no one else 
would otherwise go there to try and get like really good weapons like let's say the flight path is kind of along the northern coast of the village does it ever make sense to just like get out of the plane go as far south as possible try and drive to the military base and pick up everything um um to, yeah does it ever make sense to do that i i see what you're saying um i think that it can. I want to experiment with that more. That's something I toyed with a little bit earlier. I think the secret there was one. I think the specific example you mentioned is not great. I don't think it's worth putting yourself on on that bottom island, um, outside of uh, view, just okay. because it's hard to get off of. But like other things, right? Like, uh, you know, it's it's like a it's like a south uh, southwest kind of like straight east flight path, like taking a card like either the gun range or the George Bull containers. I think that can work. Um, I think I, I'd like to try it more. I think the secret there is you don't like if you stop and like search something till you have something, I think that puts you behind enough that you risk running into people. I think you need to kind of like really find a car immediately and just book it there. Um, okay. but the risk there is then that you have this, like the same thing that happens when you drop on a heavily populated area in the first place is you, you run into other people and it's, it's kind of a level of RNG as to who finds, a gun first and like not saying that you can't have good plays there but like a lot of times that comes down to just who found the better weapon first um and that can the same thing can happen if somebody else has the same idea than you as you so it's an inherently risky maneuver well to um, be to, to be clear um does this mean uh like do you think other people will go out of their way for it I've seen i feel the, like the advantage here is that people tend not to do that yes you know I mean? no no i know like it the couple of times i have done it it seems to happen often enough to be suspicious. Um, I think there are certain places where it's more true than others. Like, I think any of, like, the super hot places, right? Like, the the crater, the underground bunkers, uh, I guess, Pachinki, um, the school, the George Bull containers, or the gun range, um, and maybe even Novo and, and the military base, I'm not sure. There will always be at least one other person trying to do that. Um, and if you go straight there, you'll probably get there first, but that's still an engagement that you have to take. Um, Interesting. And if you haven't gotten there before them enough, you might not be prepared to deal with them. Have you ever done this when, when the zone, like outside the zone? What do you, you know what? what I mean? Like, okay, so like the first circle takes like five minutes. Oh, yeah, yeah, I see what right? you're saying. Yeah. So like, let's say we just book it, you know, like we book it and it's going to be outside of the circle anyway. So there's like a timer on it. Do you ever feel like that would, uh, that would um, work out? Well, I, I feel like it needs some more practice. I also think that part of this is, um, uh, kind of like how floating up and down the ELO column, ELO column, how, how much this happens. Mm -hmm. Um, by the way, there's an ELO reset on August 1st. Uh, we should, we should, uh, get some games and wreck some noobs. Um, <laughs> Do you, I feel like I'm a noob. I feel like I'm worse than worse than the uh, the average when it comes to ELO. Yeah, who knows? Um, I think that I don't I don't know. I like I said I haven't done the kind of like land and dash in a while. But a couple mm. times I did do it. It was it was a lot closer. Oh, something else that I should point out is Spawn Island is fun, but it's rarely if ever worth it. Okay. Um. Like, it's all you're always like pushing up against the clock to get out of there once you've gotten there, um, and sometimes you just don't find good stuff and it's not worth your time. Um, but it's a neat thing to do every once in a while as like a shakeup. Um, but that's all I really got to say about that.
I so I actually didn't realize that you could go to Spawn Island. I, I imagined that it was just like basically impossible. Um, essentially, you have to have a flight path that's favorable to it. You have to um, f find a boat immediately upon setting down, and you have to go immediately there, and then you will still not have enough time to find everything. And then you need to jump is in the there, boat. Is there a lot of stuff? Is it just, like, on tables like that? It's not on the tables. Um, it's in the build other buildings on the island. And there's some good loot there, but it's, it's like, medium amounts of loot. And okay. so, like, the pressure that you're under to get then get off of the island and the damage that you will take from the blue mm. is not great. Not my favorite. Um, okay. It always seems like super stressful and generally not worth it in the end to me. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I guess, I don't know. That's uh, that's it. I'm very interested to, to, to chart this progression as we're playing a lot of PUBG. Like, how do we think about the game more more complexly uh, as, as time goes on? Like, how do our tactics change and our strategies change and what do we learn and stuff like that? So that's why I'm asking these questions. Yeah, no, fair uh, enough. <laughs> um, but I think that's about all we have time for. Did you have anything else you wanted to talk about? I had nothing else I wanted to talk about. Um... Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to email us with what you think about uh, any of these stories or about Player Knowns Battlegrounds or uh, Total War 2 or, or anything, you can email us at podcast at com. That's right. We've got a new website. Um, oh, God. I forgot. Yeah. Um, you can still email us at somedurfsplaygames at gmail.com if you wish. Um, uh, the website right now doesn't have much on it. It is a basic WordPress site, but soon there will be content coming soon. It's under construction. Um, uh, you can watch us at twitch.tv slash some play games. You can, uh, listen to us on SoundCloud, leave us ratings and reviews on iTunes and everywhere. We love all that stuff. Um, buddy, do you have anything else that you wanted to promote? I have nothing else that I'm looking to pimp. Um, in that case, until next time, dear listeners, until next time, loyal listeners.